church boys. So we don't um we don't usually start the show heavy. But uh last week when we recorded the 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 stuff the craziness that's going on in the country today. These protests and the and the that that have turned into riots and looting and uh, and a heartbreaking embarrassment for the country to me. Uh, we didn't talk about it last week, and you know, I guess shame on us, but it wasn't really the thing that it is now, right? I mean, it was. We knew about the George Floyd thing, and there were some protests going on with that, and maybe we should have talked about that. We didn't get to. We had a thousand other things going on, and I got sidetracked with nonsense going on on my end, and. And that's on me. But we well, we also had a scheduled interview, and right. I think just so people realize, but we didn't. We were going into a topic we had pre-prepared for, not right. realizing that this was going to be and, and most what people, it is. And most people would be surprised to hear that we actually do any preparation for this show, but we we did. And, <laughs> but we didn't talk about it last week, and maybe we should have. Maybe that's maybe that's negligent. I don't think it was. It certainly wasn't intentional. But over this last week, man. It's heartbreaking. It sucks. I mean, it sucks, sucks. <sighs> and uh, I, I, I have trouble processing it. I don't know about you guys, but it's my heart breaks when I look at the the riots that are going on and the looting and the and, but at the same time the people who are in pain because of because of what happened with George Floyd and and what's going on with our cops and I know that different people have different takes on you know cops and their authority and what they can do and and. Uh, and Billy, you and I have had discussions about this and have differences of opinion, I think, on some things. But And your experiences taint you know, your views, and my experiences taint mine. I'm sure, Lucas, yours taint your views on, on police. And we have to remember that if, if our views on police and our interactions with police, well, at least for me, as positive as they've been, have tainted my views, the communities that are, that are, that are you know, that are protesting police brutality and the things that need to change, boy, they've they've really been tainted because they've borne the brunt of it more than any of the three of us, I think. So I I don't know what you, what what have you what have you been your thoughts as you've watched what's gone on in this country? It's been de- it's been depressing. I mean, like visibly to the point where I pulled up last night <clears throat> on my account and considered deactivating Twitter. I I yeah. legitimately I was joking about it. Um, not because of I just I feel inundated with negative information all the time. And and part of that may be yeah. what I'm following and looking at. But the reality is I'm almost overwhelmed by the constant crisis after crisis after crisis. And this, which I think is one of the yes, covid was was horrible and obnoxious being in our houses trapped. But this is the human toll of this. No matter what you think about the issues associated, no matter what you believe about whether somebody's pain, if you agree with the details behind what they think or not think, if you like or dislike a hashtag, I don't care. The human toll and the emotion is very high on this. So, And the violence that has come out of that, which is very complicated and who knows who's perpetuating it, that doesn't even matter, has created more depression for me. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's it's really important in a situation like this to recognize, to resist the urge to look at America as a collective and to recognize there's a bunch of individual things happening all at once, some related, some completely unrelated, 
And if we're to make sense of it and sort through it, we're never going to understand it as this sort of gelatinous, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, hurt and and anger and uh, crime and and murder and all these sorts of things, you know. And so breaking that down, um, you know, starting this off, uh, you know, certainly we see a a just a uh, complete. Uh, abuse of power, and I think we talked about this a little bit, just touching on it, and you know, the, the, some of the case was still starting to come out. We see an abuse of power leading to, you know, for all intents and purposes, a cold blood murder on the streets. And I, you know, I just heard today that they've they've raised the charges, you know, to second degree for the uh, the police officer who was kneeling, and then. Um, and then uh, uh, was it? Is they doing third degree for the other guys? Is that They're the uh, or, or um, no? Uh, there was another t- <laughs> aiding and abetting, yeah. aiding and abetting, yeah. yeah, homicide or something like that. So um, you know, they're they're and I'm I'm glad to see that. I, I wish they would have taken it to first degree, you know, for for the officer there involved. Um, and you know, so that's that's there. We have a lot of wonderful people peacefully protesting, white, black, all different colors. Um, and, and I believe the same way I believe that the majority of cops are great people. I think the majority of people standing up in this situation for, um, you know, for, uh, civil rights, for, uh, you know, equality, uh, you know, against, uh, also against, you know, um, police brutality, I think are well-intended good people. And then we have this whole other third thing, which is, you know, insurrectionists, you know, whether we're saying it's, you know, Antifa or white supremacists or, you know, uh, that are coming against our nation, creating chaos. And you throw all of that in one week and man, it's yeah. it's heavy and it's a lot. It is. And there are a lot of there are a lot of people. I had a conversation with some friends today or this week. And Billy, I, I relayed some of this to you, what we had talked about, and that is that a, a lot of people on our side and a lot of people in maybe offices we work in don't have the first clue on, on, on the things that these folks are struggling with, what they're protesting against. They just think it's, there are a lot of them, and I don't want to generalize too much, but, but I'm going to. <laughs> there are a lot of them who just, who just assume these folks are protesting just because they're black and they're they're upset and and have this idea that black people are always angry and it's some racial thing and that I'm that that they are personally accusing me a white person of being the problem and I don't think that that's the case for most of the protesters I think they're looking at an overall to them a system whatever that system might be whether it's a judicial system or an economic system or a political system whatever it is I I, I don't know that's why we need clarity and have these discussions but they, that they want to blame and, yeah. me and, and, and they, and people don't understand. And so the reaction from a lot of people and I piss some people off with this, but there are a lot of people, it's mostly from the right who, who, who refuse to understand or even try to understand or even think that maybe they're hurting and broken and they refuse to have that discussion. And so we have all these broken people, right? And Billy, I told you this earlier, we have all these broken people and, and the people Again, people on my side uh, politically want to scream at them about their brokenness without ever listening, just sitting and listening to why they're broken. And that's the conversation well, that has to be had. 
it's I think it's really interesting because I we all like to talk. All three of us like to talk. We're all communicators like in, in different ways. Right. And and I would say I think the biggest problem we had and we've always had this throughout all of human history is that most of us want to speak instead of listen. Very few people and people will say I'm a great listener. Very few people are actually good at listening. And the crazy thing is that and I'm guilty of this. so I'm the first to admit that when you actually listen you're not, it doesn't mean you have to agree again, but when you listen, you hear things and you don't only hear what's being said, but you hear what's not being said. Yep. And I think a lot of things are actually not being said. And if we all pause for a minute to think about what those things are, we might be able to have better conversations. And I think that means we all have to do it. I'm not going to lie. I've been very guilty in this conversation of not being present in it, of having the wrong ideas about it up even until right now um, of trying to speak and not lit and not hear people out. And right now, I think what people are asking for is to be heard and they're hurting and it doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree again with their pain or where they think their pain came from or where you believe their pain. That's not your pain to care, but people are visibly in pain. I mean, there's no denying that this yeah. isn't some conjured made up thing. People are, people are feeling that. And so to type back to somebody, all lives matter when they write black lives matter to go out of your way to make people feel negative and to, and to pile on the pain they're feeling and not to hear it out, I think is wrong and unchristian actually. And I, I've been, I've been guilty of that over the years. And I'm sure we all have in different ways. But to, to be fair to you, Billy, the, your point isn't, isn't just, those people, even even if the person who's writing Black Lives Matter, even if you believe or you can prove that they are a bad actor, even if Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton, who we all have from time to time had our differences with and have called, I'm sure have at least thought charlatans, race baiters, right? Even those guys, right? If they're talking about Black Lives Matter, my job right now isn't to go, no, all lives matter. Even with the guys that I think are charlatans. My job right now is to, you know what? You need to air your grievance. That's okay. I can listen to you. And because that's what James tells us, right? Shut your mouth. Listen. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we've been asked to do. What do our wives, what does uh, your wife, Lucas, and your wife, Billy, and I know my wife has said, when they start telling you their problems, are they asking for a solution? My no. wife has no problems. Well. I try to offer <laughs> solutions. It never goes don't well. I, don't offer solutions. They just want to they tell, tell you what's wrong. Like this is what I'm this is what I'm thinking about and I can't like okay well let me solve this problem for you. No, that's not what I want is what your wife will say. I want you just to listen. And, and right. we got to we got to learn the same thing Are you with, good at that? Are you actually good at that, Chris? I actually don't tell my wife this. I actually think I'm fairly good at it. I I I've got I should say I've gotten better Can, at it. Is she available to uh you know, run I, that just, yeah. maybe, she might be I home mean, just a minute. <laughs> just a minute. So yeah. she's I, not home yet. I think I think that um, actually, you know, Billy, a mutual friend of ours today, I was talking to, um, and he said that he said I think one of the problems with with you know kind of society and the social media culture is there's no delay in response. So you know, when, is this our friend who's very active on social media? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so you'll appreciate that. So he said, you know, he goes, and I thought it was, I thought it was profound. He goes, you know, it, there's not a delay. Like used to, you would have, you know, um, HG Wells would write some, you know, super humanist argument. And then GK Chesterton would come back at it and write like a whole book on it. And it would take them like, there's nine, 10 months, you know, a year, two years in between this like back and forth. Mm -hmm. And now we don't even take nine or 10 seconds before we're like, you know, thumbs deep into a paragraph. 
Exactly. Well, you know, this trying... particular friend doesn't even waste a second before he fights with me every day on Facebook. Come so on, that's why it's right. so funny. Every day, don't it's... miss don't miss the point in the uh, and, and shoot the messenger. Right. So it's this the, every day. Uh... We're always <laughs> yeah. every day, all day. I hate We're social media. And it's you just you have this feeling of like you have to respond right away. And so uh, I'm actually considering um, one. I found that I'm starting to block more people. Um, oh. Two, I've think that I'm considering getting rid of people's ability to reply to my posts for a period of time, not just in relation to this issue, just in relation to every issue. And, you know, it's, uh, and I'll, I might mention more about this later because it, it comes into a topic that we're talking about uh, later on in the show. But the, uh, you know, I, I think that this whole thing of like, we have trouble with both and concepts in society. Like I can be, I can be, you know, against um, police brutality towards blacks and simultaneously still be, you know, conservative or pro-president or something like that. And so, you know, we have this either or mindset that develops on topics. And I think that that just it's it's limited and it it really creates, you know, um, huge inconsistencies and, you know, what I would call uh, sort of like selective bias, you know, when it comes to these conversations. Yeah. I had to put my foot massager on. I apologize. Are you kidding me? I thought you were smiling a little bit as you I'm were not, sitting there. I'm not kidding. I forgot that it was under my oh, desk. Um, can you imagine <laughs> a more disgusting thing in his house than his foot massager? <laughs> Is that on the oh, list? Chris. By the way, by the way, we need to go over your list of things you purchased. Is that or is that something you already had? Um, Nancy? I actually would need to pull it up, but I I could go through some of it. Uh, well, I may well, leave uh, some items off, okay. but maybe not. I'm just I don't but know. if we get to the list, we, or maybe we save it for another um, time. But anyway, so, well, so I, on the list, I want to just go I ahead. have to interrupt you. Can yes. I just read this verse and then let you go? Yeah. And I'm not going to go long. I just want to yeah. I want to say this. Okay. So you mentioned James, and James one nine is a verse I was literally just reading before I had to look at your ugly mugs. And the verse reads, "Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry." And that is literally the verse that everybody right now, if you think about it, it is the most countercultural verse at the mm -hmm. moment. One of them, right? It was, and it was the, it was like one of the centerpieces of what I spoke about on Sunday. I'm sure many other people did too. One. One of the things that people need to understand about listening, and if, and if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast, you know, God bless you, spread the word, listen harder. But one of the things about listening, one of the great things about listening is that two things, two things, at least two things will happen if you listen to someone else, especially someone else who's hurting or whatever. One, they're going to eventually tell you what's wrong. Eventually it will be exposed. That's why my daughter, my daughter, both of my daughters are chatterboxes. They don't shut up. I mean, they go and go and go and go and go. And I, you know, there are times that when I just strange to me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but you should, you should talk to their mother. Oh, you think I talk there anyway. So, but the girls, they just, they're chatterboxes, which is fine. And I, and I love it. But there are times when you start to go, oh my goodness, what are you just rambling? They're going and going. But we won't shut them up because I don't want them to get. I want them to stay in the habit of talking because when they get into adolescence, they're going to start. They're going to continue talking, and they're going to reveal things that I need to know. So if I will just sit and shut up and listen, there somebody will reveal. The other thing is that it will cut off confusion and misunderstandings. If you'll actually sit and listen rather than thinking about what your response is going to be, 
but actually listen, you're going to, you're not going to get confused by the things that they're saying. You let, let them explain it and process it. Anyway, that's just my two things. Yeah, I, we got to be better. We got to listen. And I think everybody has needs to listen. Right now, the appropriate thing is for us to listen. I think at some point we need to figure out, can we have this conversation and be honest about it? And that everybody should be able to, I want people to ask me questions when they don't understand. And I think other people do too. I had people, I had African-American friends reaching out to me, people I had never met over the last couple of days to have honest conversations. And it was actually really good to have those and to say, you know, ask whatever question you want yeah. and don't be afraid to do that. And, and kind of having that open dialogue is how do you, if you don't actually listen, we've been going through this in this country since the beginning of the country. Let's be honest. We have had these issues and they have manifested themselves in all sorts of different ways. But here we are. And, and you look at the church as Christians, it's our responsibility to be leading this. You think about Martin Luther King, what he would he said about the most segregated hour, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and churches have made a lot of strides in that in that area. But the point is that Christians have also fallen prey to the division and being the ones who don't want to listen. And yet we're the ones who should be leading that. And I think that's important. Yeah. It's it's a really important part of this discussion, and it's convicting because I know that I've I've failed a lot in that area. Yeah, I mean, I I would echo that. I've had conversations probably, I mean, probably at least two hours each day for the last three days with um, friends that are black pastors, you know, guys that I've known for years that, you know, we've had some conversations about, uh, uh, you know, race and, and, and equality and these things, but not at this level. And, you know, really being able to dive in and not, you know, not worrying about, being on a podcast, but being able to ask all the, all those questions to really listen. And, you know, a lot of these guys are different political party than I would be, or at least would vote differently than I would vote. And, and, but they're all believers. And we just had great conversations about what does this look like and what does this mean? And what are the solutions? And, and I think that, you know, it's such a, you know, it, it, there's such a, a, a multifaceted problem and, which means that it's probably going to require a multifaceted solution, yeah. you know, to truly work through this. And I'm also, you know, as much as I want to see all of this, please hear that all of this change fix. I want to see the riot stop. I want to see the murder stop. I want to see abuse towards, you know, uh, um, you know, if there, you know, issues of, of police brutality against, you know, blacks and, and, you know, uh, man, I'd, I'd love to just wave a wand and have it all go away. I also think that as believers, it's important that, you know, that, you know, we don't fall into discouragement and that we recognize that, you know, there's no such thing on this planet as a utopia. And if you look back through history, you know, there is, whether it's persecution of the church, persecution of the Jews, persecution of, of, you know, uh, Asians that have happened in, in places like China and, you know, the atrocities that have been, that have happened against, you know, African American community, or, you know, what gets missed a lot is a native American community. Sure. you know, in the U.S. that's often overlooked. And, you know, we all want this utopia and I do too. And I'm going to fight. I think we have, like, this is the balance. I'm going to fight as if it's possible, but I'm going to keep my faith and my hope knowing that, you know, there's a, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, that, that my hope is in him and, and, and eternity that we have where justice is actually, right. you know, carried out in a way that will satisfy everything. It doesn't mean we don't try here, but it means that when we when it falls short, we can rest knowing that justice will be done in the end. 
Well, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't take that any further. You're the smart one. You're the theologian. So I think that's a good place for us to maybe start the show. Ladies and gentlemen. Hello! From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. Billy Hollowell. Hey, does this suit make me look fat? It's not what he said, you ignorant wretch. Chris Field. Bad guy in little gold. Let me tell you why I suck. Lucas Miles. I want you to forget what you saw here today. Aw, I've interrupted happy time. The Church Boys. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I hate these guys. Boys, what do we do next? I mean, we, we've got two, like, we've I got gotta two talk items. about Trump. Okay. I gotta talk about Trump. We want to tr- we do the we want to do the Trump the Trump clear out the park thing, right? Is that what we're we gonna? Do? Are we gonna do this? We yeah, we're okay, gonna, we, we're gonna squeeze we this in. We gotta squeeze this in because we gotta we have an interview here in just a few minutes, right? So. I, we can we can pick it up afterwards, but understand. Look at the clock. We got seven minutes. So, Billy, yeah, start well, start your anti-Trump crusade, so I'm I can watch. Go, no, so I can I'm watch. So I can watch Lucas's I, head explode. I feel like <laughs> these things happen, and and obviously, okay, the media's framing of this has been called inaccurate. That they they moved, and I and I've read both sides of it. I think it's interesting whenever you have a situation where Explain the government being is. accused. Of, what? Explain what it is. You're not talking about well, the I was going thing. to. I was okay, going to. I was going to say, whenever you have a situation, before I get into the explanation, where the government is being accused of doing something inappropriate, when your only recourse are people in the government defending it, in, and I'm not seeing people on the ground say, no, that's not what happened. So what happened? Trump glided through from the White House out the front door. He over actually floated to, over the crowds. He floated over the crowd. Um and, and Did you had, watch the full video of him going from the Rose Garden to the church? Um, no, I did in front not. Of all, in front of all the graffiti okay. and stuff, all right. it was all cleared out. All right. I just wanted to I wanted to get that out there ahead of time because I have, just in case I need to use that point later. So so they basically, the authorities are moving protesters out of the way who have a First Amendment right to peacefully assemble in front of the White House, essentially. And they're moving them out of the way forcibly now that— the issue with this is that obviously people are upset that they were moved and there was a discrepancy in the press. And Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, that there were certain tools that were used. Tear gas was used. Now, the government has said, no, we didn't use tear gas. No, no that's, not, that's gas. not true. That's not true. Now, the report was that initially the New York Times said tear gas. Right. And that's what initially was claimed. And now they, then they talked to uh, U.S. Uh, Park Police who were there. Yep. And was it city cops? And was it was it park city? police was like was the main, but yeah, I think but there was, there was at least, park police. There were at least three law enforcement: park police, I think city, and then secret service. Right, right. And all of those organizations were asked if they used tear gas, specifically tear gas, and a specific kind of tear gas. And one of the groups said, "No, we didn't use we didn't use anything." Park police, I think it was the park police, said, "We did not use tear gas. We used smoke bombs and pepper balls," which though. Generally speaking, are considered a form of tear gas. I was going to say the, pepper the, balls are awful. And then the okay. and then the Secret Service said wouldn't wouldn't say whether they would did or didn't because they said we don't reveal tactics. So it's sure. very possible that one of the three or four law enforcement agencies that were out there actually did use it because the Secret Service won't confirm or deny whether they used it. And one group, one of them, I believe it was the Park Police, said we did use pepper balls. So for our audience, a pepper ball 
is a projectile that is fired out of a, you know, kind of a gun like, you know, looks like a, a giant BB uh, gun almost. Yeah, and it's it's but almost like a paintball looking thing. Yeah. It's about a paintball size. Yep. And you could, you know, if you go on YouTube, you can see videos of people getting, you know, purposely choosing to get hit with a pepper ball to see what it does to them at about 10 feet away. <laughs> it doesn't kill them. It leaves a weld on their chest or just like a paintball sk- would. Blood all over but that it one kind device. of yeah. it's a way to kind of target to a specific offender yeah. rather than just blanketing a whole crowd with pepper spray. So it's it's more of a specific like you're the one causing the problem rather than we're just going to hose the whole but it does create you know, a cloud whole... it does create a pepper spray pepper ball it, cloud within a within small a radius small radius of within a person. small radius right. so a person yeah. next I, to them been, you? a next a person yeah. next to them would feel the effect Wait, can I, I just interrupt both of you yeah, I, yeah. Do you realize the insanity of the conversation we're having that the president did this to have a photo op at a church? That's not like, true. I don't care if he's in a church through the audience okay. and That's they not true. cleared it out for him to do it. Okay. He, I would challenge. Sorry, he waved a Bible upside down outside of a church. Like, well, didn't I didn't even wave it. This he is just, crazy. He held it you, okay, first of all, let me, since I actually watched the footage and I'm I watched watching it right now, I'm and I watched the press conference afterwards and, you know, saw the uh, press secretary talking with Jim Acosta. Uh, um, you know, the, the, it wasn't a photo op just for Trump. It was like major, you know, members of his team that all stood up there together. The press of course only used the picture of Trump and not the group photo that was taking place there. But they didn't know about it till the last minute. What's that? The, the administration people didn't know about it till late in the afternoon or evening just before it happened. It wasn't a long planned thing. It was a, it was a last minute thing. He was standing there for a while by himself. And that's why. And I'm what makes it, it what right makes now. it super ridiculous and obnoxious to a lot of people, including myself, is that the curfew was at seven. They didn't start telling these people to start getting out. They started to tell them around between six fifteen and six thirty five. That's when they started. To, they could have waited half hour, but they didn't because the president the, the president had to announced. have announced. The curfew was announced that they had to be out at seven. They had to be gone by seven. But they were. Yes. They didn't start telling the people you've got to get out until between six fifteen and six thirty-five. And they did three loudspeaker announcements. No, oh, that's a legend. And, okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, here's but here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. He could have to waited till seven bro, o'clock. But he has right. been. He, he has been criticized. criticized. He did. He, he did it as a power play because the day before, because he'd. Right. I believe because he'd been ripped about being a coward for going to the bunker. You're not a coward for going Maybe to the you bunker. You got to come out of your cave. And the, so if he the, came out. He didn't go out there and go Trump 2020. He didn't say vote for me in November. He stood out there at a church that had just been burned, and the witness that we have is the is the pastor, the Episcopal pastor, who has been on him for three years, criticizing him, who is pro-abortion, who is, you know, pro-LGBT, and, you know... the Catholic Church released a statement, too, about his other visit? I think the the diocese, the Washington diocese... Oh, he stood in front, there was a monument or something like that that that, that was there. John Paul II. So, you know, my... I mean, here's the deal. This is his house, and people are throwing... What was not mentioned is people are throwing... It was not Trump pushing people back. It was Attorney General Barr at the start of the day came in and said, guys, we have to push people back a block because they're too close to the White House. It he wasn't come because down, he didn't come down Trump's and tell them that for a walk. he didn't come. He didn't come. Barr did not come down and talk to the officers until after 6 p.m. That's when he talked okay. to the police about doing well, it. 
it's well, the, stated, the narrative to Lucas's point, the narrative that the white and this is what I don't I'm not saying they're lying. I'm not going to pass judgment. I find it highly questionable that our source is the very government that's under fire for moving protesters out. And they're saying that they had asked for this earlier in the not, day and, and it hadn't been done. So he came down to make sure. It and there's not a person on. on this podcast who would say if it was Obama that we would believe a, a word of what's Absolutely. coming out of that White House. So the. Um, what we have here is we have protesters throwing frozen water bottles at police, hitting them, mm -hmm. as well as bricks. And they found a cache is the report of bats, sticks, rocks, bricks mm -hmm. along the path uh, in front of the White House. And so they made a decision to push everybody back a block. Um, and so, you know, I mean, this is this is this is first of all, like, yes, it is the White House. Like, right. And there's argument there. It's somebody else's house. Yeah, but you the know, clearing every, out of the park, uh, the clearing out of the park was after the pushing back a block. So, like, uh, uh, biblically speaking, here's my example. Okay, a couple things. First of all, in in Sodom and Gomorrah, there's a giant riot, and there's people trying to basically, you know, uh, accost Lot and his family mm -hmm. and the angels that are with him. And so what happens, Lot is going to trade his daughters, you know, to the crowd to try to appease right. them. And instead, what do the angels do is they blind them and push the people back in order to have peace at the house. And so, like, I don't have a problem with that. Now, again, if this if this were to come out, let me just be clear. If this were to come out that this is a group of people, you know, uh, praying, this is a group of people just, you know, sitting there chanting, this is peaceful. There was no rocks. There was no frozen ice. And you could grab somebody in the crowd who wasn't doing anything wrong and their testimony is real. They can say, look, I was just there. I wasn't doing anything wrong. And I got pushed back and, and that's valid. But if, if there are people there who are, are doing things wrong that are, you know, being allowed to overwhelm the situation, the police have the right oh, to be able to push back a situation I like don't, that. I don't disagree with that and create at all. Space. I think that if you have to create space because there are bad actors, then you got to create space. And if 10% of the people are bad actors and they're throwing stuff and you have to move for the sake of safety, push them back. I don't have any problem with that. My problem, so just my, like in my, problem protests, is, it, my problem was that they moved them back a block and that was to the park. And then later, under the instruction, apparently, of A.G. Barr, who came down after 6 p.m. and talked to the cops. Then they cleared out the park so the president could strut across it, right, at 6.45 or whatever time it was, and go over to the church. When all he had to do was wait another 15 to 20 minutes, and it's curfew, and they would have been legally ordered to be out of there anyway. That's that's where my issue is. I just don't understand the whole, like, waving the Bible thing in so front awkward. of the child. <clears throat> I mean, awkward. I have people who are not religious, you know, friends, family who were like, are you OK with this? Like, this is not somebody like and it's just interesting. It is hearing. such a straw man like thing to get offended by. I'm I mean, not offended. Oh, I'm I just offended. think he's manipulating evangelicals. Pastor, pastors have been posing with the Bible sure. for a long time. And I say posing because that's what a lot of pastors oh, are doing. Absolutely. And I think we have a lot of people that are using the pulpit for their own you know, purposes and pictures and photo ops and all those sorts of things. And then all, all of a sudden they're offended, you know, because to me, like we have a country that's falling apart and we have the leader of that country. Like he could have gone out there and done a, a million different things. He could like have gone delivered out there a unifying speech. And <laughs> look, look, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered what he would have said. You know that it would not have mattered I one bit agree. what he would have said. It would have mattered to me. I, here's the thing. Here's People the thing. I'm going to be totally honest with you. And I, on this show, and you can go back to the archives, and Chris knows, was the first person to say, 
I will. I'm going to vote because why would you not vote? It's the lesser of two evils. You have to pick one. And I am now to if the election were held right now. I would not vote. I mean, that is 100 percent where I am right now. And that is a polar opposite position of what I took in 2016. I would not vote. I will not put my stamp of approval on this. It's bizarre, abnormal behavior. And I, listen, I'm a mess, too. I'm not going to pass judgment on him as a human being. But it's I feel like every day I know your head's exploding every day. His Twitter account is an absolute embarrassment to the presidency and to the country every single day. And we stand by and pretend it's normal when if a Democrat did it, we would lose our minds. If somebody had been attacking you for the last four years at the level of scrutiny that he's gotten, the level of assault, the level of accusations, he's a Nazi, he's this, he's that, he's this. And, you know, how are you going to respond? I mean, you know, I have bad days where people are accusing me things. And I'm not again, I'm not defending every single action or every single tweet that he's done. I think I mean, I see and I've commented before there's stuff where I'm going, man, what was he thinking when he said that? Yeah. I'm just saying if there's something to get mad about him walking and taking a picture with a Bible is not the so thing to get mad about. Here's the, here's the crazy I'm not thing. Mad. I just think it's silly. Uh, no, and so and here's here's where here's here's the funny thing, because Billy's focusing. He brought up you brought up the speech. and I thought his speech was lousy. Right. He's not a good speech giver and he doesn't have great speech writers, which is unfortunate. I didn't like the speech, but and I, I wasn't offended by the, the the posing at the church, the pictures at the church. I thought they looked funny. I think I thought he, he doesn't know how to hold a Bible. Or maybe, or what? I, it was really. It was, that's that's it was, stupid. But no, but that's it was weird. I, I'm not. I'm only pointing it's that a, up that because it's judgment. Sort of like no, no, no. no. I'm only. I'm only. Po- I'm only pointing. It did, it, it I, did it, look like he was it's idiotic. A dirty pair of underwear. First, it was a weird. First of all, it's of course it's idiotic. It's coming from me. Am I on CNN right but, now? Like, but, what no, is happening? I just. I only laughed at it because it was so awkward. It's like what? It's why? It's this watching this goofy guy stand there awkwardly that made me giggle. Let me. If if there's something I'm upset about, it's the president of the United States using the power of law enforcement at, at the at the point of a gun to force people out of the way to make way for our mighty ruler. That I that's, have a problem with. That's ridiculous. When that's you had 81 happened. people shot in Chicago this that's weekend. That's horrible, too. And we, no, I'm no, saying, no, 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 I'm no not, let me I'm make saying, the point. Plan what I'm saying if you want to plan the thing, fine. It was the last minute. things. He's walking out on the street. He has a right he to go need out, to be out and on the see street. a church that just got burned. Then plan it ahead of time, and he didn't. That's the problem. I don't, if he would have planned it ahead of time, there would have been more people there. There would have been more chaos. Everybody no, would have showed up. Start clearing off the streets. You don't have to announce you're going over there, but make the plan so that the streets are getting blocked off ahead of time. Not this last-minute thing where you're shooting people with pepper balls. Secret Service, if you're listening, people Chris with their, Field be- would like to come and, beating, and be the new director because he's got it all shields. figured out about how to do it. beating people with shields. It didn't have to happen that way. That's the problem. I don't have a problem with having I, a photo up there. I, I have a problem I think with the way it you know, was done. I think done. it's Monday morning quarterbacking of of an action, and he would have been judged no matter what he did in that situation. But I would have been if you. Here's the deal: if he handled this the way that any other president handled it, with a unifying speech, with tweets that were sent by somebody who, if you read his Twitter account, you'd be worried about his his. Sanity. Okay. I, if you didn't know your Twitter he was account, I'm worried about your sanity. Well, my Twitter account's crazy. <laughs> we know that. But my my point is just that if he did that and did the right thing and unified us at a time when people are crying out and desperate to be unified, I would have no problem being like, you know what? I'd vote. He never rises to the occasion. And that is what and the thing is, 
I, I get it. I mean, he doesn't care. He doesn't want to rise to the occasion. But I, I'm not saying I won't vote for him, but if the election were today, I would not vote. And, and that's say, the honest and truth. And as evidence, let me use it as evidence for you, Lucas, that I don't that I don't have a problem with him making a statement as far as walking across the park and going to the church and, and talking and standing there for a photo. You're you want to do a photo op at this church that was burnt? I, I get it. The photo was goofy to me. That's what I'm laughing about there. What upset me oh, was, yeah, the pro- was the process. Yeah, he's got an awkward look on his right. face. And that's, like, and that's, I get it. And, we jo- and that, that's that's all I'm joking about with it. when it yes. comes to the church, just because it's goofy photos. I don't have a problem with a photo op at a church. Every politician, every pastor does it, as you pointed out. I don't Here's have a problem thing. with him giving a speech as he wants to give it. I might not have liked the speech. My problem was the process of clearing it out. Here's my evidence that I didn't have an issue with him marching across the street to the church. And that is that when, when it happened, when it first happened, and all that was reported was that he walked across the park to the church, kind of like, you know, saying to saying to the world, hey, listen, we are I, we are not going to live in fear. I am not going to live in fear. I even tweeted, Billy, we, we were texting that night when it happened, Billy, didn't we? And I said, you know, I kind of, I'm not sure... I don't think this bothers me. In fact, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, that that happened. The next morning, though, when the reports came out about how law enforcement cleared the park, that's where I had an issue. That 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 our ruler, the president, that our president has the right our to king, leave his house and go he wherever does. he wants. Absolutely, he does. Right? But not. He also not, should he have common people, sense. But he also have he have to do it the where right he's way. going right now. Then they're going to have you know, assassination attempts, when we have people walking up behind, you know, police officers in Vegas and shooting them in the back of the head, what right, do you think Secret listen, Service is going to be dealing listen, with on a day working, like that? Working, working on, on Capitol Hill for several years, we, I went to, uh, we would have the, the State of the Union address, and I was there for the State of the Union, and I loved going. But the Capitol Hill police had to work with the Secret Service, and they would be planning for a week for something for the security for a thing that's going on at a Capitol building where they know every where the security happens to happen the same way every single year and the plan remains the same every single year but for a week they're planning on it and detailing it and ticking off all of the offices because we all have to put up with what's going on they have to do that for a week for the state of the union that they already know is going to happen and that they already have contingency plans for this thing where he's walking across the park to show strength through what would be a, where, where, where a crowd was that was violent, you gotta you gotta set that up a little bit earlier. You don't have to tell people exactly where you're going, but you can clear a path that morning. The problem was they didn't plan it that morning. They planned it that afternoon or evening at the last minute, and that's All where right. my issue was. Now, Lucas, Lucas, you actually rocked this. You were on your own. You guys teamed up on me a couple weeks ago, so it happens, right? And but we actually we, we have actually guest. have poor, poor Lucas. We actually have our guest. He's waiting for us. We have a guest is literally trying to get on our show, and we just won't stop talking. Sorry. <laughs> Hello. So is he there? I, well, I haven't. Cl- I haven't oh. invited our guest in yet. Should I do that now? Are you guys have done you, fighting? Have you called him? <laughs> I'm doing it right now. No, it's we're not done right fighting, now. but we can pause for a minute. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, that was exhausting. Now I know. <laughs> now you know what it's like. Oh, yes. Hey, Marcus, how are you? Hey, man, how's it going? Good, How you doing, good. Marcus? Nice to meet you. I'm Lucas. I'm hey, Cr- Lucas. Nice to meet you. I'm Chris. Good to meet you, Marcus. Chris, listen, forgive me. I'm over at my grandparents' house, so I'm not. I don't have my fancy background tonight. <laughs> That's, That's okay. Right. That's okay. You I sound great. A wall that didn't show a bunch of old stuff. You know? <laughs> I I just told him I'm moving offices, so I have like boxes behind me. I'm we're packing <laughs> out and leaving tomorrow, so to go to a new place. So yeah, we we get it. You're good. I don't have my fancy mic or nothing, man. I feel bad. That's all right. No, don't it sound good. good. You sound, yeah, sound good. Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, so introduce well, our guest because Mark Lucas and I have not met met him yet. 
Before so today, I mean, Marcus Gill. Marcus Gill is a phenomenal pastor. He's an author, and Marcus and I, we actually were on a show at Pure Flix together, uh, Pure Talk, and I uh, always brought him on because he's got great, great, great perspective on so many things. And obviously, right now, there's so much going on in this country, and we were just talking before on the show about just the pain that people are feeling, the chaos, the this horrific murder that unfolded, and. Um, I thought of you and I thought, I really want to hear what Marcus is thinking right now. And so I guess I would kind of dive in with just asking you over. I feel like this has been going on for weeks because it's been so heavy. Right. But it's it's been yeah. since the 25th of May. Right. Um, how have you been processing this? What were sort of your first thoughts after you saw that video? Well, my first thought was that this is the worst I've ever seen uh, coming from the perspective of a black man. This stuff is painful, bro. Like it's real. It is real. Uh, as as much as I like to testify of my diversity, it still doesn't always work. Um, it's a it's a label, man. It's not everybody, of course, but it hurts because, truth be told, I said this on um, a podcast the other day with somebody. I said, man, I really never know when I'll when I could be next for no reason. All right. And that's a reality that we live with. You really never know when you could be next for no reason. Um, and I say that based upon what I see on television and some very light personal experience. So it's a it's a very it's disappointing. It's heartbreaking. This is the absolute worst. And not even because it was the George Floyd situation, but because this is number. Let's just use for an example, for lack of knowledge. This is number one hundred and eighty five. When. Last year it was 184. You get what I mean? It's already it's already been a heavy weight uh, around this situation, this topic, and then just when it seemed like it was dying down, we weren't hearing about this stuff, and it was quiet. Here comes Ahmaud Arbery with a civilian situation, and now you got George Floyd with uh, one bad cop situation. So uh, this is the worst because it's 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 getting heavy now. Let alone the video. There's no need for a testimony. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody died inside a little bit watching that. You know, yeah. I mean, that's I don't know how else to word it because yeah. it's horrific. Yeah, it's bad. That, 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 there's always been a uh, I'm, and I'm the kind of guy. Most people that know me and follow me understand my position. I don't normally fuss uh, until I have the whole story. I'm a whole story kind of dude. Let's get the facts. You know, um, I am highly supportive of all black people. But I'm highly supportive of everybody. Right, <laughs> right. I am. I'm highly supportive of our men and women in blue. I live here in Myrtle Beach. We have some of the finest police officers in the country. Um, and I know that to be a fact because they help me a lot. Um, but this video, we didn't have to wait for facts. Right. Uh, it was clear. It, this was pretty clear. This, this, this officer was on a mission. And I think that's one of the reasons why the anger level is at an all-time high. And the good thing is, for us, it's not just black people angry. Blacks, whites, Hispanic, Latino. I even seen Asian folks protesting, man. Just people all over the world, actually, if you look at television. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's angry because this was just blatant. Yeah. yeah, there was no debate, which, which you know, in these circumstances, you have this debate. Is it this person's fault? Did somebody do something? And th this was the first time that I could remember <laughs> that everybody was universally outraged by what they saw because they saw it. It was on video, right? And it's a video you wish you never saw. You wish it didn't, obviously didn't happen. Absolutely. How, how do you, and I'll let you guys jump in here, but how do you balance this? The 
the pain and the anger of it with being a pastor in the position that you're in, right? Because you're in this position where people look to you and that's tough. You're a human being and you're feeling this. How, How do you balance that? Well, you know what? Speaking of the pastoring thing, I actually resigned from my church back in November. That's a whole nother podcast. Wow. So I I'm just know that. traveling now. Yeah, mm-hmm. all I'm doing is traveling every weekend. Well, before COVID. You're still ministering. You're still, still ministering. ministering. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just doing crusades and stuff. But I'm glad I get to handle it now because in November 2019, I pastored a church that was predominantly white. And um, going into that situation, I had one mindset coming out of it. Unfortunately, I left with a different mindset. The maturity that one has to get to, to feel anger over racial tensions and not react angrily is where I stand as a leader, as a spiritual leader, as a voice in the Christian community, not just the black community, but the Christian community. That's who I serve. All right. And I've had to specifically rededicate myself to be a voice for black people in this season because there are so many who are Christians that confess that they love Jesus, that they believe God, they're still serving the Lord, but yet they are being examples of hate and anger in response to hate, Mm. which I think is the wrong direction. Do I understand the rioting and the looting and the burning buildings down and all that? I definitely understand it. But maturity says, I can feel this, but I don't have to act on it. I win the battle of my anger by not acting on what I feel. Better yet, I take what I feel and I be what I want somebody to be to me. Man, they've been kicking my butt over this. A lot of people like it. My fellow black brothers and sisters, some, I've seen a blog that was really ugly about me because they say I don't have a voice. They call you all kind of names, but you can't let that phase you. Because our mission in this season is to be an example of what the Bible tells us, an example of who Jesus was and who he is and if he was here today what he would do and what he would not do good news is uh my my brothers most people are not responding the wrong way most are not and i say this as a man of god as a spiritual leader most are not responding the wrong way and my job and my position is let's get the small few that are still acting erratically to come on over to the right side and go from looting to protesting. Mm-hmm. Go from rioting to protesting. Because that's what I believe being woke really is. We're aware, but we're willing to be effective agents for change. So, what is what in your mind is is a is an effective pro? What does an effective protest look like? Yeah. Oh, sure. It's a, it's peaceful protest. An effective protest is, of course, the marches are good. The signs are good. The chanting is good because the pro- the point of a protest is to make your presence known, make your voice heard, and to effectively, effectively in- inspire change. Mm. And so positive protest is making your voice heard, uh, uh, being an effective agent for chain- change nonviolently. Um, for example, I've seen a video recently where one of the uh, police chiefs, I don't know where this was, but man, it was the, it was one of the videos that brought me to tears, tears of joy. And he was a white police chief. And he and all of his force decided to take their helmets off. They decided to relax. And he was given a speech. It wasn't a black civil rights activist right. speaking right. to hundreds of people. It was a white police officer 
I think he was a chief and he was speaking to this crowd and he said, we're with you. What that guy did was was absolutely against what we believe and what we do. And he said, we're taking off these hats. We're taking off these putting putting our guns away and we're going to march with you guys. Yeah, and that was in Denver, right? No, it was the. Oh, but it was, the, it was it was amazing. It was the sheriff up in I think Flint, Michigan. Okay, yes. Flint, Michigan. Oh, okay. I think they so. begin to cheer, and everybody begin to protest. Yeah, that was so powerful to me. And I, I was telling people, I said, this is how this should look mm-hmm. all around the United States of America right now. If this right here was the way everybody was protesting, I really believe that the shift would happen much quicker than what we think it would happen if we act stupid. That's just my point of view. Were you going to say something, Lucas? No, I mean, I, I appreciate you, you know, being on here. And I was I was telling these guys, you know, before we got started that and I've had I've had conversations, you know, for probably, I don't know, maybe two hours a day for the last three days. And I pastor a church and get to hang out with these guys, you know, once a week or so. And um, and 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 they try my they try my patience at times, but I, I, I enjoy being here with them. And, you know, I, I was I've been doing calls with uh, dear friends of mine that are either pastors or faith leaders or thought leaders across the country. Um, you know, who are, who are black, who a lot of times maybe vote different than I do, think different than I do. And just, you know, and these have been offline conversations just going like, let's understand each other. And, and I've, I've, I told one of my friends the other day, I said, I have this thing in the back of my head when I'm talking to somebody who is a different skin color than me that says, I gotta, and I've, I've talked to Miles McPherson about this too when he wrote his book, The Third Option, that I gotta like turn off this thing, or I or I have to like re- be, you know watch every word and make sure I say the politically correct thing. And you know I've just decided during this time that I'm gonna stop trying to filter those thoughts because I think the only way to really understand each other is to be able to talk openly and go. Here's just something I think. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. It's just a perspective and a question that I have. Help me understand this. And for, you know, for, you know, I think people that are, um, you know, obviously there's 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 one race and that's the human race. But we have we have differences and diversity among ourselves. And we don't always look at somebody and understand instantly their experience because it's not the same as my experience. And I could bring out the pastor line and say, no temptation to seize you except that it's common to man and, you know, those things. But I, I know that there's still experiences that I've had. You know, my wife having open heart surgery or us not being able to have children or something. When I have somebody else that's got six kids go, oh, I know what it's like, you know, and I'm sitting there going, you don't know what it's like to, <laughs> you know, to do to go through this. And I think that, you know, those are individual things. Now we're we're experiencing that on a on a, you know, on a race level. And so I've just been encouraged despite ever, all the chaos and and carnage this last week mm-hmm. with conversations with people like you and others that are willing to say, let's just let's talk. And I think that's where healing starts. That's better because, you know, uh, thank you for saying that. Uh, You know, like I said, I pastored a church that when I got there, it was predominantly white and it integrated. The good thing was the white people didn't leave because I was a black preacher. They stayed and they helped me grow it. Of course, a lot of black folks came. We started a Hispanic speaking service. And then towards the end, it was almost like uh, chaos broke out for no reason. And that's a whole other story. But anyway, I, I, I mentioned that because... When I got there, one of the white members said to me, oh, Brother Marcus, we're behind you. We don't see color in this church. We don't see race in this church. Everybody is the same person, praise the Lord. And I said, thank you. I understand where you're coming from. But that was you making an attempt to be politically correct. When in (laughs) actuality, I want every person to see white. 
I want you to see black. I want you to see Japanese. I want you to see Latino because the maturity of our ministry is not going to be us being blind to everybody's difference, but our willingness to be different and still be able to kill it. Yeah. And still be able to do great together. And it was like, huh, okay. All right. You know, the political <laughs> correct thing, you know, people like, oh, yeah, you know, I have an African American friend or I have a Caucasian friend. And it's like, come on, man. My brother, he's cool. You can say white. You can say black. It's all good. <laughs> you know, right. it, it's all good. And I've dealt with this. I've, I've got, I, I preach at a lot of diverse churches. Um, and man, I could show you in my call log, my white pastor friends have called me and they're like, dude, what do I say? I don't know what to say. If I try to say something, I'm going to say something wrong. If I try too hard, somebody's going to get a, I'm going to get a text and a family's going to leave the church. <laughs> I don't know what to do. If I don't yeah. post, they're mad. If I do post, they're like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. What do I do? And I tell all my friends, I appreciate you so much for calling me and saying, what do I say? Because it's better to not say nothing until you know what's right to say mm -hmm. than to say something and you try too hard and it's wrong. And I'm like, and I tell all of them, say what's on your heart. Mm. If people leave you, or if your black friends don't want to be your friend no more, or your white friends don't want to be friends with you anymore after you speak what's on your heart, y'all weren't supposed to be friends in the first place. Right. That's just how I see it. What would you say to somebody? Because I know there are a lot of people into what you were saying, Lucas, that thing in the back of your mind, you don't want to. And I tend to be like an open person and I'll say mm -hmm. things. And but I, I think that people still have that because you don't want to offend people. Right. It's like, well, if I say this thing or I ask this question and that was one of the interesting things. So Lucas's point, I had people reach out to me yesterday, people I had never met who were black and they were like, we'd love to talk with you. If you have any questions, you know, because I was putting some prayers up on social. If you have any questions, like ask us, we want you to ask. And I really appreciated that because it's like, OK, let's talk. And we had some good back and forth. But what would you say to somebody who's afraid to ask those questions or they're not sure how to approach a conversation, which almost seems silly, but it's a reality. I think that's it something is. we're going through. It is. You know, I have this personality of break the ice. You know, you, you got to find a way to just break the ice. Um, sometimes it goes well. Sometimes <laughs> it goes wrong. <laughs> but but you, you just got to you got to break the ice. And I think just breaking the ice with something so bizarre something so unexpected, you know, will kind of let people relax a little bit. And I've been there even with me, man. I I'm t I used to be real tense. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what do I say? What do I do? How do I act? Do I shift up? You know, uh, we, we got this thing in our black families that we call it the white bill collective voice, you know, because mama be talking <laughs> real hood and ghetto all day. But when somebody calls from an office or something, your voice change. Oh, hello. Hi. How are you? And like, you know, stop it. And then, you know, you got your hood voice. It's like, so sometimes you got to break it with something so bizarre that's going to make everybody laugh. You got to <laughs> like, OK, for example, when I took over that church, there were some people that were like, OK, what is this about to be? I've never had a black preacher in my life before. So my, my icebreaker was all the men in here that's going to stick with me. Wave your hand. And they all waved their hand. Right. And I said, touch your hair. And I said, touch your hair. They touched the hair. I said, all right. I said, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up. Your hair is going to be real fuzzy and wavy. I said, when people ask you what happened in your head, tell them I got a black preacher now. And then all of a sudden things change. You know, man, they laughed so hard. And it was like, OK, cool. This is that was funny. And then mm -hmm. they begin to really open up. They were like, OK, it's not that serious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and how do we fix it if we don't talk about it? I mean, clearly this has gone on forever. 
And it's not some elements of it. A lot of elements have not gotten better. And we're seeing things like this happen now because we have video cameras and phones. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if we don't talk about it, there's no moving forward, really. I mean, like that to me, that's something. And maybe I'm wrong about that. But my view has been the last 24 hours. If we don't start talking and honestly talking then this is just going to go on forever. I mean, and, and not just these events, but the the not understanding one another, the feeling of difference in a negative way, not the understanding of like you were talking about how to come together mm-hmm. um, and still be different. And that's okay, right? It's fun. It's fun. It's exciting. I get bored looking at the same people every single day. <laughs> I do. It's, it, you know, doing the same thing all the time. I like change. And uh, in order to be an effective change agent, you got to learn how to change your atmosphere. You got to be willing to change your environment sometime. We got to be willing to learn about one another, learn our histories, you know, to understand where we all come from. That's the excitement that, you know, and, and then too, to the point of communication, you know, one thing I think would help would be if, you know, there's, there's some, of the, some of our news media that will not help us with this. They, they won't help. There, there's some media outlets. I won't call any names. I know Billy gone on some and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there are some that will not show the positive stuff that's happening. You got to yeah, see it on yeah. Instagram. And it's like, man, if you can beam this to three million people tonight that everybody's not angry. Yeah. I think that would help a big t- a big deal, you know? Yeah. I mean, look at I'll name some. I mean, when you look at what when you look at what's going on on MSNBC, Fox News and CNN, you're seeing and I haven't watched MSNBC enough to know. So I'm assuming. But definitely CNN and Fox I've been watching every night. The negative protest. Oh, my gosh. Here's the chaos breaking out. And yet you're right. You go on social media. You see police officers and protesters praying with each other. You see what you described. And then you wonder to yourself, okay, there is a lot of bad stuff happening. But then what about all of this that we're missing? Right. Right. I agree. I think the news media needs to be The reality is, I mean, from my standpoint, is like that's, you know, like at the end of the day, I can't I can't create a utopia. I can't make all the news media do those things. But we have to become the people sharing those messages. And so, right. you know, if I'm waiting for MSNBC to, to, to post that out there and I mean, it, you know, I mean, you know, look, this is this is the topic right now. We could talk about the coverage that was on Obama, the coverage that's on Trump. I mean, the negative is always the thing that is sexiest. It gets the views. It gets the clicks. If you go, hey, two people hugged. Look how beautiful it is next to a story about city on fire. You know, <laughs> which one is people going to click on? You know, and you got to follow the money in those situations. But I mean, that's where we have to, you know, just keep challenging ourselves to tell those stories, to be able to say like, you know, and, and show those pictures and give those testimonies. And, and hopefully over time, you know, using our, our viewership as our as our currency the places that are willing to give, you know, really a fair view of of what's happening in the world are the ones that are going to remain. Well, that really could. But that's a condemnation of the system that we have now as far as media goes, because on cable news and newspapers as well, there's that phrase that has been around for forever. If it bleeds, it leads. Right. And, it, <laughs> and, and that's because that's where the money is. And why is that where the money is? It's just because where each and every one of us turn. Because when we turn on our television, that's what we watch. And when the good news comes off, we change the channel. And that's the problem. But at what but, cost? But the, but the, at what cost? But the crazy, well, at the cost of our society. But as far as business right. goes, they know that that's where the business is because that's where the eyeballs are. Right? And yeah. so that's that's on us. That's on everybody, black, white, brown, yeah. green, blue, it doesn't matter. That's on all mm-hmm. of us. But the crazy thing is, if you flip over to, 
if you flip over to um, to the internet and to, to even uh, social media is is a flaming garbage heap, right? For for a, a lot of it is, but there's a lot <laughs> right. of there's a lot of but there is a lot of positive stuff that happens there too. Yeah. But, but you, thing, you must follow Billy, don't you? But the thing that's but the thing but the thing that's crazy is you no nowhere uh, on no channel in America and CBS thinks it's going to work. But on no channel in America as it currently sits would Jim from the Office's Good News Network sell, hmm. right? But it Although sold, he sold but it, it for I know, how but much? it went like but it went like crazy <laughs> online. Now CBS yeah. is going to take it over, and they're probably going to ruin it. Right, of and course. who knows if it's going to sell, if it's actually going to work? They think there's something there, but I don't know why they think there's something there. It's not something they've ever tried before, but it sold really well on you know online, and so people because people could share it with each other, and they, because people mm. and that goes that and that speaks to the good part of humanity is that we want to share those messages with each other personally as a mob, as a crowd. The same the same way that we have problems with the protests or the riots, mobs don't have don't have central nervous system mobs don't right. don't reason and the same thing when a mob of people are watching television they just uh and they sit there and they consume garbage and they consume negativity because it's so easy to passively consume that but positive mm -hmm. stuff you have to actively you have to actively take it in and then you want to share it right and so that takes action and that is only done online yeah yeah well um, and you're you're big online marcus i mean that's your your ministry i feel like yeah. so much of it is online yeah, uh, two and a half million followers on Facebook. Started my Instagram, so I'm, I'm like approaching that little hundred thousand mark. I'm so excited, right? Uh, TikTok, I got like fifty followers, so don't don't go to my TikTok. I can't figure <laughs> TikTok out. I know I, I can't. <laughs> I can't figure it out, man. But we're, but, we're know, too old. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've been I've been making those attempts to share as much as possible, have positive conversations, and you know the sad thing about it, I get beat up. I get beat up by my own people. By being positive, because there's this expectation that because I'm a young black man, when this topic comes up and this climate is the way it is, we have these little terrible seasons that I'm supposed to be making an attempt to force feed everybody with violence mm -hmm. and rioting and burn something down. And I should be going through my city, you know, terrifying people. And that's just not what I believe. And again, the majority of black people are not rioting. The majority want peace. The majority loves it when we see a white police officer come out and say, I'm not one of them. Mm -hmm. We know that every man and woman in blue is not a bad cop. We know that there are just a few that misrepresent the men and women in blue in our country. Just like there are just a few that represent the entire black community with their thuggish behavior in, in criminal activity. It's just a few. I think if we could all get to a place where we don't assume that everybody's the same, we're going to do so much better. Like, I love Smoothie King. I walked in there the other day, and, like, it was so awkward because there were two police officers having a smoothie, and I had my cup, and it was so <laughs> awkward because I could feel that both of us were like, we're going to try extra hard to make sure that we <laughs> both know that we're not feeling some yeah. kind of mm -hmm. You know, it was so awkward. And, and I'm like, man, this sucks. They're like, hey, how are you? I'm like, good, how are you? We're dapping up, and it's like extra behavior. You know, because I know we're both thinking, like, I don't want them to think I'm mad at them. They don't want me to think that they think I'm a criminal. So, you know, it's like, man, can we get over this? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So can I, ask, have to. can I ask you a question then on that where where, where we all know, and, and, and we, 
the, the the three pasty guys here on the screen right now can say right can say that we don't know. I laid, I laid out yesterday. <laughs> Look at you. You're oh, just that's that's depressing. Actually. I got you yeah, confused with Marcus for a minute, Lucas. But I, no. <laughs> but we can all say we we know that not all black people are like that, and and you can say that not all white people are like that, and we know that not all cops, and we all say that, right? So how does that jive with the the claim that we often hear? And and maybe maybe we don't hear it as often as we think we do that the system is rigged against the black community. If the system is rigged against the black community, then how can we say well? But not all the not all the cops are like that. So I don't. It seems incongruous to me. Okay. Yeah, I got you. I I agree that the system is rigged against and the black I, community. Can I interrupt it, for just a second? Can you tell ahead. me when that is said? What is meant by the system? Is that yeah. a political system, economic system, legal yeah. system? What does that mean? Yeah, and I want to explain that. And when I when we say system, I see it as the the climate, the temperature. Hmm. I don't think somebody is sitting behind a desk saying only twelve percent of black people can have a nice home in this city. Thirteen percent of black men can get a good job. You know, I don't. I really don't believe that that's happening behind closed doors. I think it's the temperature, which which most people mis misdescribe as the system. Mm. It's it's the temperature in the room called the United States of America, because of whatever has been perpetuated down the years. Um, there's an assumption that black people are subpar, and let me let me let me just say this for you: assume where I'm going. That comes from us. That comes from our side. Let me share it with you. That comes from us. And I think over the years, because we haven't recognized our own value because of the mentality that was passed down from slavery, this is a generational after generation after generation type of thing, the, the mentality that's been passed down through our own families has automatically made us feel subpar. And because of that, people around us that do not feel subpar automatically take the role automatically take leadership, automatically take position, automatically feel like they're obligated to be in the right the right position to lead and to so, somewhat, uh, let's just use the word for lack of a better word, suppress us and keep us in the same place because we don't recognize how valuable we actually are in these days and times to actually be the leaders, to be the business owners, to be the educators and to lead out. So when we talk about systematic oppression, I think that's oftentimes we should be using atmospheric suppression mm. because the climate of our country says we're second place. White people are first place. And now it seems like Hispanics are third place when that's not a fact. That's how we operate because of a mentality that's been passed down. For me, I've been one to break that curse in my bloodline. Um, fortunately and unfortunately, <laughs> I've had to be that guy. Because I have men that I've grown up with, my grandfather, my father, my great-grandfather, different ones. Every time somebody would get a step ahead, there was always some type of self-esteem issue. Now, I'm not speaking for all black men. I'm speaking about me right now. Mm. There's always a self-esteem issue on their journey that caused them to fall back. Again, that's a mentality that comes from my great-great-great-great-grandfather who was a slave that was always told, stay in your place. This is all you have. Always look to the white man because they're in control of you. That mentality passed down, down, down. Our generation is so far from that now that we're willing to step out and take risks uh, and do things that are unheard of. In Missouri, we would, there were no black preachers leading a white church. 
You know, that was so bizarre. It was in the paper. It was talked about. People were so angry. But you know what? It worked for a season mm. until things shifted, you know, but I stepped out and did it. I could have said, oh, no, there's no way in the world that I could lead a church full of white people. I'm a young black man. How is that possible? No, I seen myself as valuable. I didn't yeah, look at yeah. the color of my skin in the situation. I didn't let the atmospheric suppression, all right, keep me from pastoring or leading. I said to myself, I can do this. And we went. And that church grew from about 100 people to 450 in nine months. It was a success because I didn't allow systematic, a.k.a. atmosphere suppression to keep me in my place, so to speak. I went after it. And I think if we let go of that excuse, we will see more black people leading and everybody will be okay with it. So can I can I ask you more on that? Because you, you talk about the generational the generational thing. And this isn't to pat myself on the back, just to kind of set up the question. My wife and I, when we lived in D.C. for 12 years, we started a nonprofit and our focus was on on youth, right? It was a youth mentoring program in Northern Virginia, and our our clientele predominantly black, right? It was 85, 90% black, and the rest a mix of Hispanic and white. And what we found is we had incredible relationships with these kids, incredible relationships. And when we would have open houses where it was open to everybody in the community, not the kids who were registered with the program, it was an even bigger mix, multi-ethnic mix. And we didn't have any issues until the parents got there, right? And there weren't any issues. And as these kids, and these kids, when they were, they didn't. I don't want to say they didn't see race because I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, we don't, we don't do colorblind. We didn't care. That, that yeah, was yeah. like, you're beautiful. You're created with, you know, with, with brown skin and two arms, and you've got green skin and three arms. I don't care. You're beautiful, right? Because God made you. All right. And so, and these kids, they exuded that attitude as long as they were with us and in that facility. But when they would go home or as they got older or if they got out of our program for a while and they spent time, more time with their families or their families would come in and say, because all of us who started this thing and were leading, we were all white, all, all eight or 10 of us who were in charge were white and we, were, and we would try to recruit black leaders from the community and we couldn't get them to commit to be a part of, even though we would have 150 kids, 90% of them are black, we couldn't get them to participate. And so we'd have older black folks come in to pick up their kids or their grandkids and they say, well, where are the where are the black men at? Why why would she, why would they, you know and and wondering, and so we just we're trying to figure out how do we handle the race thing because when we are dealing with them we have no problems, but then when they go home they're hearing this stuff and we don't know how to counter it because they're not hearing it from us and it's not in them naturally, because mm -hmm. naturally these kids they, when they are their freest and having their most fun, it's when when they were with us, and so how yeah. do how do we how do we counter that? I mean, is that, are you, is that your experience? Do you feel like that gets passed down? What happens? Absolutely. And you know, it's on both sides. I think it goes back to the whole idea of when you put a black baby and a white baby next to each other and they play just fine. But then when, by the time they turn 18, that same black boy and black white boy look at each other totally different. It's not because they were born with that feeling, but the generation prior to puts these ideas. It's what you taught. Racism and bigotry is taught. You're not born hating anybody or feeling like you're better than somebody because of the color of your skin. This stuff is taught and it's unfortunate, man. It is so unfortunate that the idea that we can't change and get better at this is like not existent in some people's minds. I was asked earlier, I was doing a show, I told Billy earlier with another pastor on the show and the question was asked, where's the hope 
that all of this can actually get better. Like your program, why can't you have a nonprofit like you had in D.C. and have 50 of them, one in each state, and they all be the same way and it be a, a, a path to bring about change? And my answer to him was, my hope and change is our gener- the generation that's right underneath me. I'm 33. So I think it's like part of my generation and a little lower. There's like a zero tolerance level for hate. Some areas in life that I still don't really agree with. My little brothers are like, who cares? Hmm. All right. You know, there's some there's some things that I can't stand. But I know that my daughter, she's going to grow up and she's not gonna, she's going to be oblivious. To, nobody's going to care. And I think a part of seeing this unity around Greg um, uh, Gregory Floyd's murder is because it's a new generation that has a voice now. The generation that keeps force feeding this racist thought and this systematic, aka atmospheric suppression type thing we were talking about, that generation is not on social media as heavy as the generation that we're in and younger. So this is why we see so much love now and all this unity and yeah. black pastors speaking up, white pastors speaking up, Hispanic pastors speaking up, leaders, businesses, Nickelodeon shutting off for eight minutes or whatever. You know, we're seeing all this now because there's a new generation running things. And like you said, your program, there was a generation that didn't care about that. You got 90 percent black kids. They're having fun. But when they go home, they're getting this toxic conversation about, oh, you need to be a part of a program where somebody black is leading or, you know, where are the black men that are having these programs? Well, let me tell you an honest truth problem. And I've said this to black men in their face. You want to complain about white guys that are leading something and our young boys want to be a part of it. And uh, where's the address for your program? Hmm. That's facts. I know it sounds harsh and people hate when I say it, but it's true. You want to say, oh, support black business all the time. But uh, have you started your business yet? You're procrastinating. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The atmospheric suppression is resting. And what happens is it doesn't get broken because, like you said, these kids with a pure mind go home and they're hearing a suppressed, toxic conversation about the power of being black, but then they don't see their black dad or their black mom or their black big brother doing anything productive. Are uh, you following what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's why it won't break. And it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's going to be up to now us making sure that our kids don't get possessed with that systematic devil. Where we feel like we're not able or we're not willing or we can't connect with this one or that one because they don't look like us. And everybody who heard Marcus just say, it's not our fault. He did not say it's not our responsibility, right? And that's an important thing to... Amen. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great distinction. And and I think that, you know, and and Marcus, I'm curious on, you know, response to this is, um, you know, as I've been having these conversations, you know, especially when I'm talking, and I I won't, I won't even try to guess your political persuasion because it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, the, uh, when I'm talking to people that have told me, Hey, I'm on the left mm-hmm. and knowing that, you know, I'm, I lean towards the right, you know, and what I do, um, we've been having these beautiful conversations about things, but where there is always like, and it's, it's never, it, you know, I haven't, I, every conversation I've had this week, I've, I've left in full joy and excitement that I've had. But mm-hmm. the the rub always seems to be about this word systemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of people, I think, especially on the right that are going, they don't want to hear, you know, they, they have no problem going racism is real and there's racist people and I want to stop it. And what can I do? Mm-hmm. But the moment they hear racism systemic, 
you know, I mean, is what you were talking about earlier that that uh, that atmosphere, that temperature, mm-hmm. you know, is is that how we should understand that more, or is there an additional conversation in there? You know, because I, I truly do want to understand, and I think that a lot of people do, but I think people get hung up on that word, you know, systemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and thanks for asking me that. You know, like I said before, that word systemic, I think it angers um, those of us who are on the right because it puts everybody in that category. Every politician is not a part of the systemic influence that we talk about and complain about. I don't believe that. Um, truth be told, um, <laughs> I believe the leftists are more inspiring to that systematic suppression thing, if if, if I'm correct, because left kind of creates an excuse for you to stay the way you are. Mm-hmm. Right more so says it's your responsibility to get up and produce something. Now. I'm not stupid. Is it harder? Yeah, it's harder for a black guy. I will say that. Yeah. It's harder for I would us. agree. I would agree. It's definitely harder. It's I think what you just said is something that I have said, to be fully honest with you, I have said it in conversations the last two days that it's something that concerns me about the conversation because I feel like it's a reality, the left-right split. Mm-hmm. that nobody wants to talk about because there's so many other issues, right, that mm-hmm. are so complicated. And when and I hate making this political because it shouldn't be, but at the baseline of it, there's this conversation about how the left handles these issues and how the right handles them. And while neither is perfect, what you just said is interesting because it's something that I've I've wondered aloud. And I even said it to Chris today, is this, you know, my, my sense is, and I could be wrong, that this is what has been happening and it's not helping the situation from a 30,000 foot view, right? It's yeah. not... Yeah. It's not helping. And I, you know, so I, does that make sense? Yeah, it that's makes kind of where I've been. But it sounds good. It sounds good. You know that, okay, you're going to help me. That sounds good. But then there's a mentality that you can have where you helping me is pushing me out to become something on my own strength. You know, see, I had to describe this to some guys that didn't understand, don't really understand where I am. And believe me. All right. Believe me. I'm, I'm not an idiot. But I know what I believe and I stand firm on what I feel and how I'm training my family and teaching my brothers and how, how to be in life. Leftists are the one that will say, I'm hungry. All right, I'm going to take you fishing and give you fish. Oh, I love you so much because you took me fishing and you gave me fish. Right wing will say, all right, let's go to the pond. I'm going to teach you how to fish on your own so that you'll never be hungry again. Is it a little harder to fish on your own? Yeah, but after a while, you'll get it. Is it easier for you to just go fishing for me and give me fish to eat? Sure. But if I get hungry again and you decide not to go fishing today, I'm going to keep starving and I'm going to look for more people to give me a handout, give me a handout, give me a handout. And before you know it, all of the fish that I've gotten handed to somebody who didn't work for it are empty. And when I go to work for my own fish, I'm going to go hungry with the ability to feed myself, but I can't because the pond is empty. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. So I so I have I, one one thing I'd say about that, and I, and I, I agree. And Billy and I, you know, you were talking about this earlier, Billy, and that is that a lot of times on the right, though, we don't we don't do that part. What we say is there's a fishing pole, there's a pond, go fish and figure it out for yourself. And that we can't be doing that. Right. We want you to or be we don't listen or right? we just don't listen. Or we just don't like listen. Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday, mm-hmm. it's like somebody writes Black Lives Matter. We were talking about this in the show earlier, and everybody responds, "All lives matter." It's like that's the least helpful thing, right? Right now, right. I think we all know we all know that we all believe that. Right. It's just not right. helpful. Like, let's actually stop and listen. 
But yes, I agree with everything you said. I think, and to your point, Chris, I think that's true too, that we need to do a better, I think that both do a poor job. I think the question is which one is a better path to helping everybody. I see. I think that, you know, and I'm actually, I'm working on, you know, my new book right now, which is, which is looking a lot at how socialism has crept its way into the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wasn't intending on writing about anything about what's happening now, but you know, it's, uh, I got about, you know, 10,000 more words to hit. So I got, I got a few topics to, you know, (laughs) pop up here. And, and, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that there is, and and I'm, I'm going to take off that filter that I have of things that, you know, and just ask you the question that I want to that I want that I hear sometimes. If I were to say what you just said, mm-hmm. I think that people, as I'm talking to maybe black friends of mine or other black pastors that maybe lean left, I think they would appreciate me saying it. I think they would say, "Hey, thanks for having this conversation for me." I think they'd love me. I think they'd hug me. Mm-hmm. But when I see a black man or a black woman challenge the narrative on the left. From my vantage point, what I feel like I hear is, oh, but they're not, it, it's almost like they're saying, but they're not really black enough. You know, so if you mention, you know, a, a, you know, and again, these are, these are maybe more, you know, extreme examples for people. But if you mentioned Kanye, facts. if you, what's that? I said facts. You're telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. You know, if you mention Candace Owens, if you mention Kanye, if you mention, you know, Alan West, you know, you're going to, you're going to go, well, you know, they've, and, and I've had people tell me, well, they're just in it for the money. They're using white people for the money. I've heard people tell me that, well, they don't really, you know, they've been on the top for so long. They don't remember the plight that they had to go through to get there. And, and you know, I don't, I don't have to, I, I don't have to have a judgment about those people, but I believe that what you just said is so empowering, yeah. you know, and, and for me as a guy who didn't come from a family that was handing me a bunch of money and, you know, you know, having to learn how to start a business, how to learn how to balance a checkbook. You know, and again, it's I don't want to compare my experience to anybody else's, just my experience. But I know that, you know, when I came to my dad and said, you know, hey, I need some money. He wrote a loan agreement for me (laughs) and made me pay it back in 12 years, you know, or 12 months. Uh And I I fought to do that, even though I saw my friends just getting donations from their parents. And after the end of that, I was so stinking proud that I went through that again. I don't want to say that that's, you know, that as a result that I know exactly what, you know, anybody else goes through, but mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, so talk to me more about that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, case in point, you went to your dad and he gave you the money and it was a loan. Try, try asking your dad for money. And they say, nah, bro, I ain't got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, that that's where, that's where I come from. You right. Know, I, I don't come from uh, wealth and riches at all. Yeah. You know? I thought I thought we were rich, but as an adult man, you look back and you're like, oh man, we we're broke as I don't know what you know. You know. <laughs> but so, but see that that goes back to my point. You look at Kanye West. I don't know much about Can- Candace Owens' background, uh, but people they they think because okay, Marcus Gill's a millionaire now, and he's got best-selling books now, and he's got this big old house, he's got this great life now, whatever. They think I was born into this. No, I went out and had to learn how to fish. Fortunately, fortunately for me. I've had great male leadership from my grandfather, my dad. I gotta say that they were alive. Awesome. They are in my life, and that's great. All right, but uh, it still wasn't the idea of that people have now. That oh, you're your successful black guy. You've been whitewashed because you have success. That's the stupidest thing people say, and they have no idea that everything that I built, I built on my own. I got one book deal with a publishing company, and that was okay, but. I started my own publishing company. I'm all, all my self-publishing books are the ones that mm. sell every week, big dollar. You know, 
I and you know th- this is the part that that really gets me to, and I'm being totally honest with y'all tonight. Uh, when I say go out and fish on your own, being a, a right wing kind of man, the help didn't even come from my own people. Sometimes we struggle amongst our own. We have our own battles amongst ourselves that suck. There's a crab barrel bucket mentality amongst the black community that is absolutely horrible. So I even got to a place where, all right, I'm not looking for help from you either. You have to go out on your own and produce. So the reason why I'm so hard when it comes to looking at welfare and housing allowances, because I see people, my people, it's disgusting, it's embarrassing, where you're paying $25 a month for a three-bedroom apartment because you got a housing allowance from the government, but yet you're using whatever cash you make on the side to go buy Gucci and Louis Vuitton, the real stuff, that's four and $5,000 that if my wife wants it, I'm like, all right, babe, let's see, maybe next week I can do it or maybe for your birthday. You're getting it because you're stacking cash and you're getting a handout for life when it really should be those of us that are working our butt off pulling in $100,000 a month, that should be getting the break. <laughs> you, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that's, that's how I'm seeing this thing. And so I didn't have the help. I didn't have a handout to start this stuff. I worked my butt off by myself. I lived in the attic of my grandparents' house for years until I could get on my own feet. My wife and I got married. We lived in a one-bedroom basement apartment in New York City, Queens to be specific, while I was still building my brand, building my business, writing books that nobody wanted to publish, you know, shooting videos on a cell phone, hoping that somebody would watch them until my hard work turned into a good break. So absolutely not do I encourage leadership that's just going to give everybody a handout because handouts keep you lazy. If you say, oh, my goodness, my bills are paid because I'm getting a government check every month. It doesn't make you want to get up and go fishing. You know, I didn't have it coming in. So it made me say, all right, if I want to build a 6,000 square foot home in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina on the ocean, I got to get my butt up and work for it. And so that's why I encourage everybody who fights with right wing thinkers to understand you're not getting on it. That's system systematic oppression and suppression, if you really believe it, because handouts keep you stuck. Well, it's that conversation about, well, you know, the left is is being so giving. And I think the there are some positive intents in, in some people's minds. We're giving, we're giving, we're helping. And the right is so cold hearted and doesn't want to give. And again, neither side is perfect. But when you go, dive deeper into that narrative and you understand why the perspectives on the right are what they are, it's fascinating. And what you're describing, I think is something that I've seen in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives who who I know. And the people who I know who work the hardest and have had to work the hardest are those who understand that philosophy. So it is not that there aren't hardworking people on the other side. I'm just saying people who have gone from nothing and built something seem to understand that philosophy. And, well, and it is interesting. To remind everybody that I'm a preacher, <laughs> Jesus's way of doing things weren't even that way. <laughs> you know the story. One man he gave a talent, another he gave two, another he gave five. The one with the five made ten, the one with the two made four, the one with the one wasn't grateful enough that he had enough, so he went and buried it. Jesus cursed him, and he took whatever he would have earned and gave it to the one that worked hard. That one put himself in systematic oppression Mm -hmm. by not using what he had to produce something. Yeah, it may have been a little harder to make ten out of one, but you had something to work with. Jesus was not a handout kind of Lord. The lesson is taught. Take what you have and work with it, magnify it, multiply it, 
do something great. You be faithful of a few, he said, I'll make you rulers over many. So God isn't a handout kind of God. In fact, according to what we believe, if you want to make it into heaven, you got to do something. He don't just hand you salvation. You've got to be responsible enough to repent and then be willing to live the correct life according to the word of God to then be said to, to, you know, so that you can hear well done, my good and faithful servant. So oh, it's, good. it's never a handout. It's always a responsibility behind things. And I think if we appreciate that in the world, everybody would do better. Listen, I, I so appreciate you coming on tonight. We took more of your time than I thought we were going to. I, I was, I always know that we can talk for a while. I could go for really another good. hour. Same I here. could go for another hour. This is Wait fascinating. I think it's, back. these are the conversations we have to have. I mean, this yeah. is what we have to be doing. And you and I have always had these conversations, so it's good. I'm, I'm sure good to catch up with you. And I really and appreciate I, it. I will, I will warn you here too, Marcus, that if you go back and listen to this later for about the first 30 minutes, we were fighting about Trump before you came on. Not so just I just want to, just want to prep you about we it. Had share ser- that. It's, it's, we had a serious yeah. conversation to begin and <laughs> then we fought about trump <laughs> right. so 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 tell you what god bless trump god bless him i love his policies policies but i i just can't stand some of the stuff he doesn't says that's that's all my thing with trump. <laughs> so that was my position that was my position <laughs> so so you know a, a little secret i used to say i was going to be the black donald trump one day that's what i used to say i used to say that uh, I don't want to be the black Donald Trump anymore, but uh, I encourage people, don't vote for people, vote for policy. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm going to say on Trump. <laughs> so, Listen, so now I, now, I'm so, with you on So that. is it okay I then if I want to say I want, I want to be the white Marcus Gill? Would that be all right ah! if I say that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you going to have some competition, man. I've heard that about 20 times in the last... <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, thank oh, you, thank you, thank you. Thank we got to have you, so you back much. soon again. Yes, actually, I'd love absolutely. to have you back here very soon. I want to, I want to have you back and talk socialism. Yes, sure, anytime. Absolutely. Let's do it. And All here's right, another cool. thing that I think that, that just to to prep that, I think that you know, understanding history too, and that's a conversation where a lot of divide happens. And so, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well. So yeah. we definitely need to get you back on. We'll exchange information to make it happen. I'll get awesome. you guys connected. All right. Perfect. Thanks, All right. man. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All Good right. to see you, Marcus. Yes, sir. Hang up on him so we can talk about him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All positive things. All positive things. So he's great. I love love that. That is fantastic. I loved it. Um, Yeah. Just just was – I just loved how real he was. And anybody that can put up with the three of us and leave (laughs) with a smile, there's – God's grace is undoubtedly – on their life. Yeah. That, that was, was a good conversation. Really and was. that's why I asked him to come on because we've always had really, really insight. He's just really insightful. And you can ask him whatever you want to ask him. And that's what I love about him. And, yeah. and yeah. I mean, we went way long on this show tonight, but I'm glad that's we did. Fine. So, so we, let's go ahead. No, go ahead. You're fine. I was going to say, I've got that thing, that clip of the, of the, uh, what I call them, virtue signalers at the window shouting to the, recording the guys who are, who are marching. Did you see? Did you see that? That I sent you that video I sent you. I did see it. Did you see it, Marcus? I'm or not Marcus. Marcus. Sorry, Lucas. We just talked but to Marcus. Fu- <laughs> this is so elderly. He just had a Biden. Well, it's getting late. It's almost <laughs> seven thirty here. <laughs> he just had a Biden. I know. Uh, uh, and I'm not talking about the fart we played <laughs> last week. I'm talking about <laughs> the mental. Oh, anyway. Oh, uh, I'm. I'm just. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what this thing is, okay, so, so I can't. 
I so can't there, comment. There's this, this video that kind of went viral, especially on the right, because people got a real kick out of it. It's these, they appear to be about college age guys. And at least one of them is shirtless. I don't have the video open. I pulled the audio from it. And one of them is shirtless and they're sitting there recording and you hear music playing in the background because he's recording this and he's, he's filming people. He's filming through his window. The windows are closed and there's a parade of people walking by and he's giving thumbs up. You can see his, he's, so he's got the camera and he's shooting out the window, but most of what you can see is his, his, his shirtless upper body and he's giving a thumbs up, right? He's obviously giving thumbs up to the people who are out there marching. So this is, this is how it rolled out. This is, like this is the music's playing. He's giving the thumbs up to them. He's, yeah, they're, they're excited about the march that's going on. And then, Why are you on So, so that's what happened. So these guys who are these virtuous ignorers, they're handing, they're sitting up in their apartment or whatever it is, and filming this, and giving them the thumbs up, like we're really with you, we we support this. Suddenly, bricks come flying through their window. Let's hear this one more time. Why are you? So these guys think that because they, because we're on your side, you should be, we should be, we should be, uh, we should be able to escape the wrath of what's going on in these protests. <laughs> and it's, it's like you're, you're acting as though the, the mobs that are, that are rioting, not the, the peaceful protesters, but the mobs who are rioting have some sort of thought behind what yeah, they're the, doing. Yeah. There's no side to them other than chaos, you yeah. know, I mean, and, 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 and by them, I mean, specifically the white, black, and all various races that are causing complete carnage that have no interest in doing anything to uh, properly protest, demonstrate, peacefully, you know, spread a cause other than chaos, which is which is t sadly taking away yeah. from the real conversation that needs to happen. Right. So I, you know, I wanted well, to ask, and, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Bill. No, no. I was just gonna say it's so true. I mean, that this is the. I just think it's hilarious that they were on your side. Like <laughs> they got their party music playing. They just keep screaming. We're on your side as though it was going to help after the windows were broken. Um, uh, yeah, we just, we got to be having this conversation and we need to get these. I think to Marcus's point, getting these people who have been inflamed to somehow have their flames put out and to calm and, and to rethink what, and I don't so the problem is we don't really know who's behind this. We have some ideas of who's behind some of it. And those are particularly, if those theories are true, they're not people you're going to easily calm down right. yeah. or, or, or yeah. you want to associate with on the right or the left. Right. Yes. I meant to ask him and I, and I didn't, and maybe you guys, your thoughts, if, if the problem what's going on with, with police brutality is systemic then why does this situation stand out so starkly? Because it's not because it's unusual. It, now it happens more frequently than we want to talk about or admit. But the the fact that we're pointing to this and we're outraged by it and everybody's everybody is hurt by it is because it's not a normal thing that happens. It does happen, and it happens way more often than it should. But this is because most people aren't that way. Most people are offended by it because most people don't live that way. That's not how they act. Can I give you my theory? Yes. I am going to anyway, if you say no. I think this <laughs> stuff has probably gone on forever. You know, you think about the 50s in this country. You oh, think yeah. the that there were some cops, right? So, so 
that has, and I actually thought it was very interesting how he described the atmosphere. I had never Loved heard it. anybody it was, describe yep. it that best way, to be honest with I've you. Best description I've heard, yes. That was the best description I've heard I of agree. it, because that's very different from the way it's worded. This is similar to when people use the term white privilege, which is actually a, a, a buzzword that upsets a lot of people, right? I actually think you could describe white privilege in a way that would not upset people as much, and... Even if you don't believe in it or agree with it, we, the term anyway, the term is what sets people off. So he avoided that. But I think I think this has gone on for a long time. We now have glimmers of video evidence of these moments. Right. Yeah. We are seeing something that has happened, even if it happens once a year, even if it happens. And now that we're seeing it, it's forcing us to maybe confront abuse of power right. at the very least. No matter what people believe about this, they have to admit that there are some cops and it's probably point one percent of cops maybe more, I don't know, but it's a very small percentage who abuse their power, right. period. Right, and, and and cops have to be held accountable because they have that power and they're armed at all times and we are required to submit to them. I mean, not just biblically, but like by law, we have to, to you know, to a degree, I suppose. But th th there's stuff like this that goes on more often than we like to admit, not as often as some people would like for us to believe, but it certainly goes on and it has to be talked about and video helps keep people accountable right it helps keep honest people honest and it hopefully helps weed out the bad people and so yeah and so it makes and, juror selection harder but yeah. it does keep accountability yeah. and that's you know and that's the, the the tough thing for it. but i mean you know look i'd rather have a hard time finding a jury and actually have documentation of what happened you know so we're not yep. guessing yep yeah no and i and i think I think we have to deal with all the issues that we're talking about here, the the atmospheric issues that he referred to, the issues in in with poverty, with we talked left and right. There's so much to this conversation. It's not just this simple, oh, here's the problem, we're going to solve it. It's going to take a lot of discussion to get to the root of it, to try to understand the emotions of it, and then to come to a place where people can actively engage. And maybe he's right about the generations. Maybe it is. That it, I mean, think about it. The 50s and 60s are not that long ago. And those are the people who either our parents lived through that or my parents were born in 1960, 1962. Not that our parents are responsible. I'm just saying that generation that lived then has raised up this generation. And now this generation of older millennials is raising the next generation. Or in your case, Chris, um, a boomer. Yes, you're hilarious. <laughs> a boomer raising. Oh, right. A boomer raising a nine year old. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of, oh, I can't keep up. With I it. think my ears are getting sweaty here. I'm, these done. Headphones. I'm done with you idiots. It's all been right. two hours of this. I know. So, this right. is the longest show ever on the face of the earth. It's like, hey, people are going to be very happy in Uganda. And I think we got some ratings in Norway. So, nice. you know, we're kind of worldwide, if you know I what mean, I'm saying. Imagine how's, being so international. <laughs> how are you, how's your foot massager? I stopped. I stopped. I'm going to have to go on my hoverboard now. Were your feet barefoot for that? Yeah. Uh, church boys. Why are you on a 